Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. So this stuff of tribalism, us against them, nothing new. It's part of life, part of the human family. And so when all these people come from all around, literally all around the world, and they come to celebrate, there are, of course, all kinds of people that those who were in charge of things didn't like. Bill shared with me this morning that he really loves the guys he works with, two men in a truck. They're tatted. They're pierced. They got weird hair. But he really hopes they would come to church. And don't we all? And to what extent do we continue to perpetuate languages and forms and, and symbols that speak of our participation in a particular tribe? So when the people come together for the Feast of Tabernacles, these guys are just looking for something to get Jesus with. Because Jesus is not like them. Jesus is not one that is consistent with their understanding of what the Messiah is supposed to look like. The Messiah doesn't come from up north. The Messiah comes from, from Bethlehem. And the Messiah is supposed to be strong and mighty and come in on a in a manner that will throw out the Romans and set up a first century state of Israel. The Messiah will reinforce their power because they themselves have been true to the law. Their narrative has to do with law. Who is obeying? Who is doing what is expected of them? Who's not doing this? Who is doing that? They got mad at Jesus because on on a Saturday afternoon with the disciples, they were walking through a cornfield and they picked some corn on the, on the Sabbath, on a Saturday. They wanted to get him. Jesus went into the temple, cleared out all the money changers and declared, this is a house of prayer and you've turned it into a den of thieves and they wanted to get him because he didn't, he didn't enter in. He didn't participate. He wasn't like them. He was different. Jesus takes their symbols, water, says, come to me, and you will have within you a fountain flowing with life. Trouble is, he said that to a Samaritan woman earlier. A Samaritan. Can you imagine? A Samaritan. An outsider, not like us. They claim to have Abraham as their father, but they're not like us. 
And then Jesus. On this festival, they had these huge two to three story lamps that blazed with fire, four of them. And he stood amongst these magnificent lights that symbolized the, the pillar of fire by night and the smoke by day and the presence and the leadership of God. And Jesus said among, among those lanterns, I am the light of the world. You don't know the truth. The truth will set you free. The truth was not an understanding of simply following the law. But the truth was acting in a manner that was consistent with God's leadership. So they were going to get it. And they, they bring a woman to him. And certainly they have named this woman. They've given her a title. They've identified her as a particular kind of woman. They bring her to Jesus. Now, it takes two to do what this woman's accused of. But there's no guy. There's no real sense whatsoever that that this woman was anything other than just a woman that they had it out for. And she's brought trembling and put in front of Jesus. And this is one more way they can catch him because they want to know if he will adhere to the law. If he'll go with what the law says, if he will enter into their narrative about life and reality. This is what's so crazy about what's going on in our culture right now. It's not about finding solutions. It's about identifying one's narrative, entering into a narrative, agreeing with this or that. I mean, do we really want for there to be no police officers? Do we really want? I mean, the reality is we're all agreed. We are all agreed that nobody likes police brutality. We are all agreed that no matter what color one is, they're loved by God. We're all agreed. We're all on the same side. But an effort to try to drive one into one narrative or another is to divide us. So they are trying to separate out Jesus by taking a woman that they have given an identity. And you know the words. One word begins with a W. You know the words. You know how they are. And they want to catch Jesus to see if Jesus will be law-abiding and participate in, in the same kind of reality that they do. 
This woman is terrified. And even though the text is not so explicit as this, I believe that this woman is on her, on her hands and knees on the ground, watching tears drop off the end of her nose. And that Jesus, when he goes to write in the dust, is next to her. She is a child of God. That is what matters to Jesus. And when he says, go ahead and stone her, he's on the ground with her. If they throw stones at her, they're throwing stones at him. They leave. Jesus tells her, go sin no more. Those are words to all of us, not just to her. Every time we know of this new reality of how we are made, the new reality that is the source of our identity, her actions were not the source of her identity. Her behavior up to that point in her life did not define her. They don't have the power to define her. Likewise, for those so-called religious authorities, they are not defined by their ancestry. Who is their father, grandfather, way back when, doesn't have the power to define them. Jesus is now speaking of a whole new identity. An identity grounded not in anything, but in grace. Not by law, but by grace. For they didn't get it. As they dropped their stones and walked away, they were realizing, perhaps in a moment of uncommon humility, they were realizing they too were allowing their own past to define them. For a moment, they entered into the same place as that woman because they realized, no, they are in no place to judge because they themselves carry like sins. But the law doesn't define us. Right and wrong, that is not which, which has the power to define us. So Jesus calls upon these religious authorities to understand that identity comes not from our genetic background. It doesn't come from our actions and behaviors. It comes from his love. And they challenge him, by what authority do you say these things? Who says? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He speaks of being able to turn stones into the children of Abraham. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus proceeds to say that 
in the love of God, the love of God for you is the sole source of human identity. Anything else is a counterfeit. So if that woman went away thinking that she was a whore, she would have disallowed the identity that God had given her as a beloved child. And Jesus stands before the religious authorities with all those people around, with all the authorities of Jerusalem there. He stands before them and he does that which is the most controversial single act of his entire ministry. He told them that Abraham himself was looking forward to the day that he would, he would come and redeem the people. And they scoffed. You're not even 50 years old. And you knew Abraham. And Jesus looked at them. And he said, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, ego eimi. Before Abraham was, Yahweh. Jesus applies to himself the ineffable name that God gave Moses at the burning bush. Jesus applies to himself the very name that they would now not pronounce. Every time they would come up to the word in the Torah, YHWH, they would replace that with Adonai, my Lord. And Jesus applies that to himself and assures them in so doing that our identity is rooted and grounded in the love of God. That these other things don't have power to define us. And because we have been loved by God and forgiven by God and, and empowered by God, we can live this life every day new. Because we are, we are in Him. We have our identity in Him. So the Pharisees, scribes, religious leaders, ah, this is too much for them. So this time, they picked up those rocks once again to throw them at Jesus. And Jesus somehow slipped away. There was nowhere to be found. I have to say, my own personal experience, I have such a hard time even identifying with the kind of racism that seems to be tearing us apart. I have a hard time thinking that there is such a thing as systemic racism, while at the same time we all know there are racists. My own life, 
growing up in Spokane, Washington, there were very few African Americans, but going to church on Sunday mornings when I was about five years old, dad would swing by the house of one African American family and pick up a little boy who was about 10. We'd ride in the back seat together and he would tickle me and goof with me and all that sort of thing. And then as a kid growing up in Southern California, junior high and high school, some of the toughest opponents in the field of athletics, whether it's basketball or football or baseball, and I played everything, were my dear friends who were, were African-American kids. Then at UC Santa Barbara, likewise, the closest friends I had, the African-American guys, because I loved to tease them. And I loved to hear them say, oh, Anderson, shut up, while they're laughing. When I saw the image of George Floyd, first time I ever saw his projection on the screen, I had a deep affection for him. He was like guys I'd played with. He was the kind of guy that I thought if I stepped on the floor, I had, I had my hands full. So I, in my own personal experience, I don't understand. I can't enter into that. But I know it's real. Because Vince Keys is a friend of mine. Because I have many friends who will bear testimony. Because I have utter respect for Tim Scott, Senator from South Carolina. And because I've heard people all their lives talk about how painful it is to be labeled, to be given an identity, an identity by someone else, to be called something, and to have to turn and say to them, you're a child of God. You're loved by God. Don't let anything else define you. Be new in him. Be new in him. Be a new creation every day in him. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you as children and we run to you. You laugh at our approach. You embrace us. You know who we are. You know our past. You know what we've done. And as a as a loving father, we grab his kids. So, Lord, we scurry into your presence and climb up onto your lap. And you hear us. And you love us. May we be defined, O oh Lord, by you, your love, alone. We ask in the name of
of him who was crucified on our behalf, that we might be one, even as you are one with him. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.